2: What is up, Roto-Grinders? We are back for another NFL season. The NFL Pick 6 show is going down once again. They said it wouldn't happen, but it is. Uh, bringing back uh, the original crew from last year. Uh, John Daigle from 4 for 4, from BetSperse as well. You got a sweet new uh, setup there going on. At least this is the first time I'm seeing it. What's up, Daigle? How are uh, how are things in your world? How was your offseason? Uh, I do enjoy what's, whatever, what's going on there as far as the studio. It's a nice upgrade. I guess you're not... You're not hanging out with Silva anymore, I assume.
3: <laughs> Was there an off season? Let's start there. Also, lots of changes, Dean. Lots of changes for better or worse behind the scenes. Uh, Betsperts, as you said, the new company. Four for four football, where all the redraft content is, where I've been working at all off season, and then the new office. Yeah, in Chicago. No longer with Silva. He still has come over from time to time and stayed on the couch. Reeves has been here, had <laughs> drinks with me on the patio. And yeah, you know we got a little title build a bookshelf like everyone has. My favorite golf course, Band Springs. You know the lights, everything's good here. Chicago, still very nice. So
2: that, that's a impressive little setup. I like the lighting as well too. Of course, Rich Rebar back with us again. Sharp football analysis. You know from the worksheet. I was listening to uh, some of your pod today with uh, Sigmund Bloom, uh, the Sharp Angles podcast. Uh, the prepping for the show, I put some work in, Rich. I mostly just nice. off to you guys, but I want to hear. You know, uh, Dago's talking about how there's no offseason. Me, I take a football off-season. I just do. When I play DFS, I play all the sports. I was grinding baseball today. I've been riding baseball the last five months. Of course, I'm keeping an eye as far as what's going on football-wise. But I'm not digging into uh, every snap in the preseason. And all. I leave it up to you. I leave it up to John and everybody That's else right. to tell me what's going on. But, uh, yeah, how- welcome back, Rich, and uh, – you know uh, anything you do you want to raise raise Daigle's uh, setup or you, what, what else do you want to show off in the backdrop
3: there <laughs> he has okay. a new he has a new place too a new office for I did year. I
1: moved this off season too oh. so yeah uh spending some of the that, that sharp football money uh yeah it's been a good off season it's been fun we're here though now and I, I believe now this will surpass the run that me and Evan and I had in the show. This will be me and Daigle's fourth year and oh, me wow. and Evan did it three years. Yep. So, my seventh year total uh, with the, with the, I came out, is it still Roto? am I allowed to say Roto Grinders. Is it still Roto Grinders? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's oh, still yeah. Roto Grinders. <laughs> uh, with, with Dan, you know, Dan, bring me in. So, thank you, Dan. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, year seven. And uh, now me and Daigle are the, like, I don't know, like the, the, the tag team. Like, when you get a new partner, like, we've had a longer run now. <laughs>
2: Who's the Marty Gennetti? Eddie I tried to reach like, for
1: one, and that's not really my bag. It's more Daglesfield. Dave, and uh, I tried to really quickly reach for, like, a tag team that, like, swap partners, and I, I, I blanked. I you did it. well. It's okay. You tried your best. And that also <laughs> means
3: that we already need to, need to set in stone Dean coming back, all of us coming back next year, because then that sets the record for, like, threesomes. Uh, well, not threesome. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> trios. How about that? Trios is the word I'm looking for.
2: There you go. Fair enough. That works. Uh, Sponsored by Thrive. We'll talk about Thrive later on in the show. It's a different way to play fantasy. You're building lineups via props. We'll have that conversation later on. If this is your first time on the Pick 6 show, how it works around here, we, we, uh, we focus on three games. Three main games on the main slate. Daigle's usually the one that nominates him. We got him pretty early, and I was in mid season format. I guess it wasn't that hard, Dagle, because I was three for three. I'm like, I like to play the game myself. Like it's a game I just play, nobody else even knows what's going on, but I like to try to guess. Uh, you threw a uh, I, I guess it was you. I assume it was. You threw it our, our way energetically as far as the, the games we selected.
3: I still also signature my emails energetically in case no one gets that inside joke. Uh, it is my permanent signature. It's staying that way. I did throw the games. And although we've had a month to look at the salaries, usually I actually avoid them. I think that's better. But with 4 for 4, I've been working with T.J. Hernandez on the DFS MVP podcast in particular. And so we've been doing early looks on them. And so I've, I've got to jump in a couple of weeks early. But what made this offseason different, Dean, as we look at the big picture of the slate, is that we really didn't have like a significant injury to a top 50 player, top 75, some would say. And so normally we go into this week with discounts, with values because an injury happened. But like instead we get DraftKings... Where almost every wide receiver with a role is significantly underpriced, but yeah. everyone's still going to logjam on the same guys. So we'll just do the same week one thing we always do and pivot to someone around that price at lesser ownership. And then on FanDuel, whereas we usually show up and say it's a pick 'em game, uh, I'm having a hard time playing a pick 'em game on FanDuel. Uh, they, I think they actually priced everyone quite accordingly for week one. To the point where everyone has to sacrifice at least one position, and then I'm curious if everyone's just going to sacrifice the same position. We'll get there eventually, and then that leaves us pivot options there. So I think it's actually a really week one, a really fun week one slate. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I was trying to make a, I was
2: messing around on DK, and I'm gonna, I play Fanduel good bit as well, obviously, but on DK, like you say, it's hard to make a bad lineup on DraftKings. Like if you use yeah. like all your salary essentially within five hundred dollars. It's just hard to make bad lineups that are like that are realistic lineups. Um, We did get what Pierce in Houston, who's kind of sort of somewhat cheap. We'll talk about him. Uh, And the price on Pittman on DK at five, five seems pretty egregious. And I think he's gonna be pretty popular. Uh, We'll be talking about that. Obviously I did run some optimals pre-show just kind of see what was popping up. And of course it's, if you guys aren't aware, we're recording us on a Mm -hmm. Wednesday night. We do have some people watching us live. Shout out to those in the YouTube channel watching us live. We do appreciate y'all watching us. I'm gonna keep really? a, an eye in the chat if anything comes up organically. Do we, we. missed you, demons? <laughs> <laughs> kindly, we, kindly we hit st- that. <laughs> we
3: still don't watch Red Zone, but we did miss y'all. I
2: will say that. I didn't want to get into that because I mean that's like a Week Fifteen argument. Like it's really just angers me. I just can't this is the away. last year that uh,
1: it's Directv. The, the ticket is Directv. It's uh, the, the amazing. The
2: stranglehold is about to end. Is it going to get chopped up, or I know, I know, like Amazon? But
1: everything. I think it's going. I think the the leader in the clubhouse was for sure going to go to a streaming service. I had heard Apple or Amazon are in the mix. I just assume Bezos is getting everything at this point. Scott Hansen got Roombas
3: just fine. He will, <laughs> he will gladly land on his feet.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, but Bezos is just like buying all like the TV shows he wants to make. Like he's doing Lord of the Rings. He's like, he's like, you know what? I want a Mass Effect show. He's like, we're going to make a Mass Effect show. He's just throwing money everywhere. So I assume he's going to
2: get it. Yeah, uh, somebody's going to get paid. The is going to make their money for sure. And we'll find it. We'll figure it out. But Dean, uh, what do you we... know about the Mass Effect series? Is that
3: uh, the Lord of the Rings show?
2: <laughs> no, no, it's a
1: video I don't, game I a know series. know what you're talking about.
3: <laughs> it's a video it game is, series. Uh, the, video, the greatest video game trilogy. I, ha- I have a wheelhouse.
2: <laughs> what, what, what should I know? Uh, what, what should I have to Google after the show? Explain it to me real quick. Xbox
3: 360, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Uh, everyone has a favorite one, but it's never 3. Oh, okay.
2: All right. I'll give it a shot. I, I have a, a PS4. I'm a little behind, but I mostly just play like this. I don't have games.
3: that.
2: Yeah, they're, they're on five now, but I you know, I guess you got on a list or something like that. Who knows? People don't care. They want to talk. <laughs> NFL DFS. We're I back. was in the middle of explaining the rules and I cut myself off before. Yeah, we focus on the three main games in the slate, and then after that, we run it back, give our fair players position by position that are not in those three main games. Mm-hmm. Um, no surprise. Uh, what we, the three highest team totals is what we're gonna be focusing on. Philadelphia at Detroit is the very first game on the board. 48 and a half is the total. That's that's the third highest board uh, total on the board as far as, oh, the main slate. It's main slate only. We're not talking about Thursday or Sunday night or Monday night. Uh, Philadelphia at Detroit. Uh, You know, Jalen Hurts gets his best friend, A.J. Brown, there in Philly. Detroit is all the momentum that hard knocks can possibly give you. Detroit is a four-point dog right now, John. Um, You know, in a dome, we like that. Uh, Hurts, we like quarterbacks that have wheels. Uh, First, I guess, start with um, the Philadelphia side. How do you think A.J. Brown is going to work in this offense?
3: Yeah, let's talk about the overarching offense for the Eagles first off, because we know they leaned on the league's highest run play rate with 33 carries per game from week six on last year. They changed their identity entirely compared to their first five games on the average 22 carries per contest. But given how their their offseason played out, as you already mentioned, A.J. Brown, and then immediately extending him upon trading for him on draft night. And then how they depl- deployed Jalen Hurts sneakily in the preseason, only playing him for one game, one one drive, essentially. But still having him throw six passes on seven dropbacks, knowing they – this is my narrative of it anyways – knowing they have to see what they have in him, <laughs> since they have those three picks in the first two rounds they're sitting on in 2023. That's what's looming over this organization – And they arguably have not only the best personnel in their own division, but personnel that can compete with the league's best offensive line and the entire NFC. They have to see what they have in Jalen Hurts. And so I think they have to throw more in general this year, but certainly more than last year's 34% pass play rate with a six-point lead. And so I I, I like the game script quite a bit. Jalen Hurts will probably be high rostered. That's what we're really arguing here. But remember, like, if – game script does change for the Eagles we already saw Hertz be successful with that game script with two 300 plus passing our games in those first five starts when they weren't a run heavy team and also in week one remember he didn't reach 300 yards but he still had 260 yards with three passing touchdowns so he can be successful through the air and that's what they choose to do and flip the switch in week one and so that's why I, I like this game from a up-tempo standpoint sneakily
2: Probably just pulling up our ownership stuff. And I don't like to focus on ownership too much on a Wednesday night. You know, this stuff is uh, obviously fickle and fluid, and that's going to change throughout the week. But And quarterback ownership generally doesn't get too high on a full slate, 13-gamer. But we do have Hertz currently as the number one projected ownership guy on Fandle at 14% at 8K, also on DK at 13%, 6.8K. 6. Uh, 6. Dagle, your thoughts uh, just kind of starting with Philadelphia as well? I'm rebar? sorry, rebar. <laughs> we're, we're getting back into regular it's season
1: shape. Show we're all back.
3: getting back in. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah,
1: keep it, keep it going. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I echo a lot of what Daigle said. I mean, I definitely believe the Eagles are going to be a lot more aggressive than they were to close last season. I mean, a lot of what happened last season was a survival in Nick Sirianni's first season, and now this year is putting a plan in place and understanding where he wants to go. I mean, they wanted to be aggressive early in the last season and it just didn't work out for a number of reasons, you know, due to injuries, Jalen Hurts' performance. Uh, but, yeah, this is roster is loaded. I mean, what what's, you're going to get unique with Jalen Hurts is who you're going to stack him with if you're going to roll him naked. Uh, there's a lot of options here. I mean, this is a team that in the Detroit Lions that – They've added a few defensive pieces, but by all accounts, like they're still a team we can pick on in the run game and the pass game and at all levels of the pass game. They don't have any linebackers that can cover anybody. Their cornerbacks were really rough, uh, you know, last year. So it's do you want to get Arthur Wan? Do you want to get Devontae Smith? Do you want to get Dallas Goddard? And how creative can we be? Do you want to get a double? We're also going to need the lions to really punch back here. Uh, You know, last year it was a 44 to six game. That was with Anthony Lynn. That was pre Ben Johnson. You know, Ben Johnson's had a full off season to kind of incorporate more of the stuff he wants to do. Uh, The lions though, when you look at it from like a top down stance, they're coming in with a couple injuries that are kind of troubling coming in, you know, Vitae's on the four game PUP. He's not going to play at all. Frank Ragnow hasn't practiced at all to start this week. And this Eagles, front is pretty gnarly and they go deep they can roll guys in and out so I mean it, it's already going to be tough sledding already for a guy like Jared Goff to kind of match points here because uh, that's what we're going to really need I think when you look at it from like the Lions' side it makes DeAndre Swift kind of a really tough play uh, he's going to need to rely on that receiving work and when you look at last year his layout isn't the same as it was that runway the first half of the season before I'm on Ross St. Brown kind of really took off he was kind of getting there late in games on dump-offs, and that's really not going to be what the Lions are about this year. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a focal point in of this offense, and, you know, it's a very small sample on the preseason, like, again, but the dude got targeted on 38% of his routes on this preseason. He was almost at 3.5 yards per out run in the preseason, right where he left off last year, and he's going against the Jonathan Gannon defense that is just a primarily zone-based defense. He's going to avoid seeing Darius Slay and James Bradbury on the outside, Uh, He's going to be able to get kind of you know free releases on the interior. And not only did he lead the Detroit Lions in targets against zone coverage, he led the entire NFL in targets against zone coverage the final six weeks last season. So if you're looking for a natural bring back, I'm on Ross St. Brown. I feel like a lot of people undervalued him during the fantasy offseason. He looks underpriced on both sites uh, immediately to jump off uh, to start the season to get value. And we were just scooping up value on him to close last year.
3: The Lions also averaged 5.4 yards per play whenever they were trailing, which they did for 37% of their plays. And that's because of the grave they dug themselves weekly. And so I actually think it's a, you know, if we do get some pushback here from Jerry Goff, who of course his fantasy points per game yards per attempt have dipped for three consecutive seasons now. And whenever Ben Johnson took over with Dan Campbell in the second half of the season, although Goff was a more efficient and having a higher completion rate, he did throw seven fewer pass attempts per game once they got Anthony Lynn out after their bye as the team's play caller. And so, although I do think there's some, uh, there could be some pushback here. Yes, like Reeb said, maybe, maybe we should be a little bit concerned. I'm on Ron Fandle,
2: six five six one on DK. Uh, John, do you think the Lions uh, punch back to the hang in this game? And if they don't, is there a possible concern of like, you know, and again, this is just the way I remember things. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, they might just shut things down with Hertz and just kind of run the ball in the second half. And that's obviously not ideal. They do want to see what they have in them long term and if he's something they want to commit to. But at the same time, whether by two touchdowns, the fourth quarter, and now we're just getting, you know, gain well and that kind of nonsense. And I don't think we want, you know, tournaments, yada, yada. We don't really want much of this Eagles run offense, far as I can tell. Uh, your thoughts. Is the Troy going to hang? Of course, if they hang Amon Ra with Hertz and you want to pair Hertz with Brown or Goddard or both, or naked, however you want to do it, is pretty interesting, of course. But uh, yeah, Detroit, are they hanging in this game or what?
3: Amon Ra was my pick, too, just because T.J. Hawkinson did have a chance to break out. Like, Amon Ra, St. Brown didn't play over 80% of the snaps until that final stretch whenever Hawkinson got injured. And I'm not attributing that league-winning stretch Amon Ra had to Hawkinson's injury, but Hawkinson, to that point, still... At the end of the year, once he was put out for the season, finishes the tight end 15 in points per game on a career high seven targets per game and 21% target share. So he was actually getting hammered targets and did basically nothing with it. And so uh, I haven't been on T.J. Hawkinson a redraft all year, especially at the seven to nine round range that he's going in. And I'm certainly not on T.J. Hawkinson this week. i St. Browns, the only place I really want to go, but. Reeves already said, like, I think Devontae Smith is the one. You have your ownership in front of you, Dean. Uh, I think he's the one that probably comes in lowest rostered. But as we also try to fluctuate tight end, we know Kyle Pitts is going to be heavily rostered. Uh, We may lose George Kittle. We're not sure yet. And so that takes away Mm -hmm. another... Another top option for us to, dra- to roster. So, like maybe the double stacking option with Hertz, assuming again that they turn into a more pass heavy scheme, is AJ Brown, of course, or Devontae Smith, and then Dallas Goddard, since we at least know that Dallas Goddard ran around on 80% of dropbacks once Zach Ertz was traded in week seven. And that's when he closed the year, averaging 6.2 targets and a 24.5% target share.
2: Smith, we got a 4% on DK currently for what it's worth. A yeah. uh, question here in chat, uh, John. Um Gabran is asking about DJ Shark. How do we feel about Shark as a pivot away from Amon St. Brown? Amon Ra <sighs> I mean, that, that sounds like I, a, good, a good response. <laughs> I mean,
1: I could I can lay in here and in, in I, I think DJ Shark from a tactical stance is what really helps Amon Ra St. Brown, but this is a, just a terrible layout for him when you look at this particular matchup. I mean the Eagles. The, based on the type of defense they play, you know, again, Jonathan Gannon coming from, you know, under the tutelage of Matt Everfliss who went out with the Bears. I mean, the the quarterbacks against the Eagles, because they play so much heavy zone and over-the-top coverage, had the lowest A-dot, depth of target, in the NFL last year. They don't give up big plays. I mean, they're, they were number one uh, in the NFL in completion rate on throws, uh, you know, over 15 yards downfield. I mean, this, they just don't give up big plays. The defense is structured that way. He's going to be on the perimeter against – Darius Slay, and James Bradbury we talked about. I think this is uh, a DJ Shark basically like, dude, run guys off the football for us because it's going to be more of a hawkinson uh, Amon Ra game.
3: And it it wasn't just last year. Like, Jared Goff has now gone three consecutive seasons with a downfield target rate, less than 20 yards, uh, on less than 10% of his throws for three consecutive years now. Like, he just doesn't throw downfield. That's why I just worry overall about Sharks.
2: I was waiting. I thought for sure uh, you were going to say, Rebar, that he's exercising. That's your go-to with uh, – Oh, yeah, baseball. yeah, man.
1: Listen, yeah, he's going to be doing a lot of exercising, I believe. Uh, you know,
2: <laughs> People are playing bingo out there. They wanted to cross that with well, that box off, but uh, I guess we got plenty of time we, to knock that out. we got to
3: get those Millie Maker plays out early.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Donovan Peoples-Jones, anybody? Um, all right. Hey, your favorite <laughs> stack, John, your favorite stack in this game. If you're going to stack something here, how would you play it?
3: I think it might actually be Devonta Smith. Uh, A.J. Brown has now finished top 15 and targets 10 to 19 yards from the line of scrimmage for three consecutive seasons with the Titans. And I think that's how they want to use him as more of an intermediate option, but hammer him more targets. But just knowing the volatility Devonta Smith may be getting the easiest coverage of his life, even though he did finish only as the wide receiver 44 in points per game as their alpha target last year. I think coupling Devonta Smith is the way to go, given, like you said, the low ownership here.
2: Rich, how about yourself? You have a, you know, all things considered, obviously, ownership and salary and yada, yada. Uh, what will be your favorite way to play a stack in this Philadelphia-Detroit game?
1: Uh, probably Hurts, Goddard, Amon Ra, and then if you're going like short, you know, short field, I think you can just run the double and go for the onslaught and just play Arthur Juan and Goddard with Amon Ra and Hurts. You know, just go crazy, man, in the, in the small field stuff.
2: All right. We got anything else here, boys? Or are we moving on the to game, too? I think we're moving on, right?
3: I love how we, and we can, I love how we just skip the Eagles backfield though. And I agree. We should keep on skipping the Eagles backfield.
2: I mean, I threw it out there. I feel free to tell me I should play Boston Scott. (laughs) we're,
3: We're still, yeah, we're still battling the Miles Sanders midweek injury too. I think he plays, but it's a soft tissue. Who knows?
2: Okay. Yeah. I missed that one. I was going through injuries today. And I, there's, it's certainly possible I missed something there, but, uh, all right, please feel free to correct me. If injury
3: I have, snuck but. up, by the way. I thought we were pretty good on Monday. And then the first injury reports came out. It's like, oh, maybe uh, we're buried a little more than we thought here this week.
1: Yeah, so yeah, the preseason was great for, for players not getting hurt. But it was the, honestly the worst offseason I can remember for guys, like reporting on guys that were already hurt. Yeah. Like, we got no information on guys that were hurt. Like what was going on at them? Were they practicing? What were they doing? We haven't heard anything like on guys, you know, like Drake London just went like three weeks without practicing and no one talked about it. Uh, you know, Russell Gage basically didn't practice for like two and a half weeks, Miles Sanders. And like, we haven't heard like about like anything. What guys Jalen, people didn't even know Jalen Waddle was hurt. Right. Like, and like, you know, like it's been one of the worst off seasons. Well, sort of, like, right? That was like, another Harris. one. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. actual reporting. Like we did really good on players, not getting
3: new injuries,
1: but like we didn't get jack on like guys that were hurt through the preseason.
3: Malji Harris was like a serious one, like a Liz Frank Spain, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna play." Okay, great.
2: Yeah, um, we saw Dobbins arguing on Twitter with Rappaport, which was kind of interesting. Dunking <laughs> on it, I suppose. That was pretty fun. Um, what else? Okay, so Deontay Johnson. Let's just knock him out. Like Deontay yeah. Johnson looks not yeah. great, right? Is that I don't? It's Wednesday night. We don't know, but I'm not optimistic from what I read. But we'll see. Stay tuned. Yep. Kittle, are they playing games in San Francisco, or is he? Actually, who knows what the story is there? I mean, George George.
1: Kittle, we're going to like probably give the benefit of the
2: doubt that he's banged
1: up, right? I would assume. Already,
2: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The greatest predictor of a few future, his, but future behavior is past behavior. And then there's Ertz, who's questionable and I guess more looks more positive than negative.
3: Rondo looks like he's going to play. That's how you segue, by the way, Dean. You you use that segue. I
2: saved that one for last for a reason.
3: (laughs) Kansas City and Arizona,
2: the biggest total on the board, 53 and a half is a total. Kansas City, almost a 30 total, despite, of course, losing Tyreek Hill. I saw a quote today from Patrick Mahomes. We're going to love this as DFS players. Uh, It's going to be uh, something different every week. That's fun. We're going to play some whack-a-mole in Mm -hmm. in KC. It's going to be good times. And Arizona, of course, a whole reshuffling there. The absence of Chase Edmonds, uh, Christian Kirk uh, got the bag there in Jacksonville. DeAndre Hopkins, 86 for six weeks. and. We don't know about Zach Ertz and his calf. Well, uh, John, the state of uh, the state of Kansas City. I guess that quote is kind of sort of what we expect, right? Not one guy necessarily is going to replace Tyreek. Going to be a group effort. They brought in, you know, Juju. They brought in MVS, uh, Sky Moore as a nice draft pick. Nicole Hardman, maybe possibly. I'm told he's talented, but you never really know. Uh, and then Kelsey's there. He's a year older. Was he 33, 34 at this point? Your thoughts on the state of Kansas City. As, and also, you know, feel free to apply it to this matchup here in Arizona, in the Dome, which is nice.
3: It is isn't a Dome. I'm just so confused about this game because the Chiefs team total has also risen more than any other team total this week. Uh, two points higher than the next closest team total on this main slate. And so, of course, we want pieces of a team who's projected to score at least 29 points in Vegas sports books. But at the same time, we also know what happened in the second half of last year. Uh, no quarterback registered more dropbacks against two I safeties than Patrick Mahomes last year. And what that led to from week eight on was him leading the league in dump offs, essentially, yards after the catch. And thus that became him averaging from week eight on 18.8 fantasy points per game. So basically a fringe top 10 quarterback as opposed to what he averaged in the first half of the year, which was 25 and a half fantasy points per game. Even though, even though we averaged seven fewer fantasy points per game, like the chiefs offense was still an engine that couldn't be stopped. I, I think we talked about it last year, how they were still leading in yards for play and points per drive during that boring stretch where all he did was dump the ball off and defend on yak. And now they don't have like one of the best yak players in Tyreek Hill. Now they have role players. And so I'm still somewhat worried. I still think they get the job done, but I I keep looking elsewhere, honestly, at other quarterbacks, at other offenses, maybe trying to find pivots in CEH, who we'll talk about in a bit, rather than prioritizing Patrick Mahomes. So I'm hoping Reeves can sell me on the Chiefs passing offense, because we know people are going to want to stack them.
2: It's easier to do so now. The absence of Hill being replaced by 5-2 Juju, 4-7 MBS, you know, 3-8 more, if you want to throw that dart in like big tournaments. Used to be like you're trying to make Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill work, and it would really hurt the rest of your lineup. But a little bit easier to do so these days. Uh, you got some clarity, Rich, as far as uh, you know, is there somebody you like that you know in season long? Anybody amongst these you thought it was being overdrafted or underdrafted? You're gonna kind of bring the the DFS slate, or you think it's just gonna be any given week? Who's gonna rise amongst this group as the number one, or it's just gonna be kind of a a group effort essentially?
1: I think they will be more versatile, but I think there's a lot of reasons to really kind of back their team total here. Well, I mean, one, when you look at it, I think the Chiefs kind of were like a little bit of a sleeping giant this year. You know, everyone's picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the, the team that's gone to the AFC championship four years in a row, kind of not getting a lot of respect. And I think that they've kind of tipped their hand of what they're going to do a little bit with Tyree kill out. I mean, you look at what they did in the preseason, like this is a team that is going to play a lot more heavier personnel than they have in years past. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense with the loss of Tyree kill and this great offensive line that they rebuilt in the course of an offseason last year. I mean, just a little bit in the small sample in the preseason. I mean, they were in 11 personnel, just 51% of the time. The three previous years of Patrick Mahomes, it was 66% of his dropbacks. Uh, That allows them to do a couple different things. One, to play that power football if teams want to sit in too high. Also, it puts Travis Kelsey more in line and gets him in more advantageous situations against linebackers, which we saw a little bit from Travis Kelsey at his age 32 season. Like Teams started to combat him with multiple bodies, and he, did, he had a great season still, but there was like moments where teams were able to do some things to him to kind of take him out of some games. Um, and you look at Mahomes in the preseason, man, Jesus, he was phenomenal. I mean, 18 to 26, almost nine yards surpassed him again preseason, but... I think this team's going to really be kind of really multiple and a lot a lot more versatile than they were. Then when you look at the Cardinals, I mean Jesus, I mean, their their defense looks so rough on paper right now. Not only did they lose Chandler Jones and Jordan Hicks this offseason, who were among the top five of their team in pressures last year, Marcus Golden, game-time decision, hasn't practiced yet this week. J.J. Watt, toe, hasn't practiced yet this week. I mean, this is a defense that was already 22nd in pressure rate collectively last year. You're talking about four major players to get after the quarterback against a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Then on the back end, Trayvon Mullen hasn't practiced yet. Marcus, Marcus Wilson was the only worst slot cornerbacks in the NFL last season. Byron Murphy, um, you know, is their best cornerback. I mean, it is rough defensively. I mean, when you look at this Cardinals team between injuries and their absolute, absolute objective talent. I mean, they've got really good safeties and they've got some versatile linebackers and Zaven Collins and Isaiah Simmons to come, kind of combat Kelsey. But the rest of this defense looks awful on paper coming into this game. And that's why the spread has cons- consistently moved uh, throughout the week. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you force me to pick a favorite guy and granted, you know, we're looking a lot of, a lot backwards when we're looking forward. I mean, it does set up to be a situation that like Juju has anything like to go at the start of the year. Like this is a matchup that was just slot cornerbacks absolutely shredded the Cardinals last year, a big part because of Marco Wilson. Like I said, I mean, they were 29th in yardage per game allowed to wide receivers in the slot last year. They allowed a league high 18 touchdowns out of the slot to wide receivers. Um, yeah, I mean, if, there, if there's a guy here, like, to kind of latch on to outside of Kelsey, I think it's Juju. Because, like I said, I mean, Arizona, they have, like, versatile athletic guys in the middle of the defense, and that's it. So they've got some guys to kind of at least throw at Kelsey. It's not going to move you off of Kelsey and say, like, I'm going to run away. But, I mean, it did bear out in the kind of the numbers last year, too, how good Arizona was against tight ends. I mean, they were fifth in catch rate, uh, tenth in yards per target on the tight ends. They only had two touchdowns the tight ends last year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, if, if Juju has anything left, it does kind of more of a signal, uh, here because
2: I mean, that's where you want to attack the Cardinals. He signed a, a one year, you know, show me a contract and we'll see how it goes. And certainly he's got to be plenty motivated to have a big year, uh, coming off injury. Uh, Diggle, if you, had, if I was to pin you down, uh, one of these receivers, even in the chat, somebody's talking about Harvin, Harvin is their guy. And it, I, I guess it could be, uh, who is your favorite, uh, all things considered as far as the KC receivers.
3: Well, it's early enough, and we do this every year. We even still do this in week three if we have priors, and we, we ask ourselves, does X player really in leading the team targets, can he still usurp Y, who is the better athlete, the better option, the better every down player? And that's kind of where I stand with Juju, like Reeb said, is that I still believe like he can not only lead the Chiefs in targets, I even bet him to, for better or worse, it's, it's a very long-shot bet, but I bet him um, early on in the preseason, to also lead the league in receptions. So, like, I do think he is that player who doesn't come off the field and is an every-down reception guy underneath for the Chiefs. So, yeah, that would be the the one option for me. But I still think, given what we saw in the preseason, with CEH always playing with Patrick Mahomes, only coming off for breathers for an ambiguous situation between Jarrett McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco, of course, who is the team's primary kick returner, I still think there's a reason to maybe hope CEH earns this goal line role since we don't know. Now, we do know he only has five carries inside the five-yard line since week two of his rookie year. So, like, the same coach, it can obviously, that role can change. You can no longer be pigeonholed, Allah. Austin Eckler from Anthony Lynn to Brandon Staley if you have a coaching change. But I do wonder if being healthy for the first time and basically having no competition outside of a late one-year deal signing for bringing Jared McKinnon back, if CEH can be a 70 80% touch guy. And if that's the case, that's kind of where I want to get my exposure instead of the passing game.
2: There was that window on Twitter when people were losing their minds for Pacheco. And I know like it fluctuated <laughs> crazily in season-long drafts as well. I guess that oh, yeah. is mostly closed, right? That's Is that basically? Well,
3: I, w- once, he's, once he played into the third quarter of the final preseason game, that window cooled off substantially. It became fall very quickly. Fair enough.
2: Yeah. Um, Rich, what are your thoughts as far as this Kansas City backfield? And feel free to jump over to Arizona. You know, uh, obviously Arizona kind of revamped or it lost some players, I guess we can say it that way too. Uh, the absence of Edmonds, the absence of Kirk, uh, Hopkins being out, and Ertz, we're not really sure. I'm not sure if they have anybody left to – who would, would uh, McBride or Max Williams step up? I think Williams is more of a blocker. I knew he was a pretty good receiver in college. But you tell me. If uh, Ertz is out, are we all of a sudden interested in Trey McBride? I have no idea. And then uh, Hollywood. Hollywood, Florida's own. Uh, Marquise Brown is the number, number one guy there in Arizona. Rondell Moore is looking pretty positive. And I said, Rich, I mentioned I was listening to your podcast with uh, with Bloom, and uh, I've never heard anybody give an endorsement of AJ, 39-year-old A.J. Brown. And you were – AJ Green, J. Well, Green yeah, it. Adriel Jeremiah. Oh man, like I mean, I guess I I I heard the pitch, and I'm like, you know what, it's not a terrible thought, and you know, he's never going to be younger than week one this season, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're not going to rush out in your season-long league and pick up, you know, Adriel Jeremiah, uh, but you look at like he's going to be a full-time player in a, in like a game like we're anticipating the Cardinals to, to be trailing and be kind of in jailbreak mode. Uh, and also, you know, he was a big play guy. I mean, almost 16 yards per catch last year, 9.2 yards per target. Uh, the Chiefs are another team. Like, they've got some moving parts defensively. Obviously, you swap, you know, Tyron Matthew with Justin Reed. They're going to be playing a rookie cornerback and Trent McDuffie in the outside. So, I mean, yeah, he's a unique way, I think, if you're going to onslaught this game to get some chief exposure to him because he's, you know, going to be on the field a ton. Zach Ertz is banged up. Rondell Moore, we – Know is coming off an injury. We don't really know what kind of role it is. Will they throw him the football more than two yards down the field? Uh, yeah, I think he's kind of interesting. Obviously, Hollywood would be the guy you're going to kind of glom onto initially. I mean, especially with his marriage, you know, with Kyler Murray. I mean, since entering the NFL, only Tyree Kill has more targets, uh, you know, of 30 or more air yards than Marquise Brown. Uh, he's also number one in the NFL in throws on those targets deemed inaccurate by the quarterback uh going to kyler murray no quarterback has been more accurate than kyler murray since entering the league on those throws he's number one in the nfl in completion rate on those deep throws uh he's number two in epa for drop back on those throws behind just justin herbert the guy that he targeted the most on those uh, throws was christian kirk uh so the guy that he- Hollywood is replacing is Christian Kirk. I think he's going to be in that vertical slot role. You know, obviously no DeAndre Hopkins gives him a runway. Uh, The Chiefs were a team that were kind of exposed downfield last year. and Like I said, they've got moving parts. in The secondary, they're probably going to take some time to gel. So, yeah, I mean, I think you look at those two wide receivers. I think obviously James Conner is, you know, playable. I think early in the season he will be kind of have more of that same role he had. I think big picture they want to not have James Conner be – like have that much workload over the course of the season because this is a guy that has never played a full season in the NFL and they're going to keep him fresh. But initially to start the year, I mean, they're going to be chasing points. He's as freshest. I mean, I think he's going to play a lot in this game. Uh, we know, like, not just from one season, but multiple seasons, we've targeted running back play against the Chiefs, and they were just as bad again last year uh, in terms of rushing and receiving performance to running backs. Like, they're a team that gives it all up one, because they lead so much, and then two, because they don't really have to try to stop the run. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Cardinals' pieces are kind of pretty clear just because the amount of injuries that they've sustained uh, and how muddy it is kind of behind those guys.
2: John, what do you have as far as the Cardinals? Also, I'm doing this in the fly. Uh, Trey McBride, like he, he, I, I was not aware of this person. I don't follow the draft. I, I'm like next fan up. Looks like you guys tell me otherwise, but he could be interesting if Ertz doesn't go. He had a ton of a uh, ton of catches, ton of yards in the, uh, you know, in college at Colorado State, over 1,100 yards last season. Uh, second round draft pick, I believe. Should we
3: get excited about this if Ertz doesn't go? I, I, I think they actually like Max Williams quite a bit too. Like I think actually Max Williams may be next in line. Um, And outside of the Mackey award, I I have questions about Trey McBride. You know, there are a lot of people who know more about this than me, including Reeves, but I still have a question about Trey McBride at the next level. Uh, Probably not ready to roll him out in week one. But for me, yeah, I I think James Conner is interesting because it really comes down to someone overthrowing him for Chase Edmonds' role Last year, when James Conner was strictly a red zone back until Chase Edmonds was injured. And so then that would then stall him from having the five and a half targets and 21 touches per game he averaged and five starts in place of Chase Edmonds. And I don't think they have that player on this. On this roster, uh, they themselves, the Cardinals, are trying to figure out who it was between Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams, and I'm still not sure we have that answer. I think it'd actually be a timeshare if James Conner were ever injured, which, of course, he's been injured every year in the league. And so, yes, like on one hand, we don't want to chase – those that 35 percent rate of touchdowns he scored inside the red zone an above average rate that we don't expect to be sustainable but at the same time if he's getting every single touch even in catch-up mode against the Chiefs indoors at home uh I'm fine chasing those points for targets and so yeah I don't think he's a bad way to get exposure towards the Cardinals
2: all right Rich you got anything else as far
1: as this game no, no, yeah, you know, I mean Trey McBride's interesting for the amount of snaps, but the, I mean the dude ran 36 routes in the preseason and got two targets. Like
2: small well, that's a lot of routes for two targets. That's not very impressive, obviously. Um, by the way, that this is the uh projected to have the third most plays. If you check out yeah, this is a high parties. volume
1: game for sure. Uh, I saw someone in the chat talk about it being a running game. Like this the Cardinals are gonna run a ton of plays. Like the Cardinals are gonna run a ton of plays in this game.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, obviously the more plays, the more opportunity for fantasy points. I, I also think it's interesting. We got nine games at 1 o'clock and four in the late slate. Uh, but the four late games as a collective is pretty appealing. Always. Uh, yeah, Kansas it's, City. Go ahead.
3: It's going to be a week where, yeah, you don't don't screenshot that green before the afternoon. It's
1: also a week where we have a lot of like, we have like a, a smattering of the plus 50 point totals and then like a bunch of like 44 and unders. Yeah,
2: correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay, Minnesota is one of the better teams in the four mm-hmm. o'clock slate. you got the Giants in Tennessee, which is probably the least appealing. The one we just talked about, K- Casey, Arizona, biggest total on the board. And then uh, Vegas versus the Chargers. Just, I mean, that, that AFC West just feels like a plethora of fantasy points. Uh, all, you know, just going to be awesome matchups all throughout the season. of course, the big acquisition for the, the Raiders, adding Adams. Uh, revenge game overall. Overall revenge game for uh, the Chargers that get knocked out last season in that Absolute debacle of a late night, Sunday night game where both teams wanted a tie or the Chargers wanted a tie. What a disaster. The Chargers is inventing new ways to lose and not make the playoffs. I, I'm a believer. I think this is the year, but we'll see. Um, they're fun to root for, if nothing else, They're good for DFS. We'll start with that, John, as far as uh, you know, Vegas at the Chargers. Uh, three point dogs here, 51-52 as far as the total. And the addition of Devontae Adams, how does that change things up for you?
3: Eric Carr is really interesting, particularly on DraftKings, since we're looking for that 300-yard game. And as we know, last year the Chargers were a run funnel, and opposing teams knew that in scheming 30 carries per game against them, a top-five rate. But I feel as if they shored that weakness up and signing Sebastian Joseph Day this offseason, who played under Brandon Staley previously in 2020 and registered the league's fourth-most run stops. With Los Angeles, uh, 314 pound nose tackle Austin Johnson, and they drafted 324 pound defensive tackle Otito Obonia, which I know you know as much about as Thanos, Dean. <laughs> but just know they stuffed hey, the they stuffed their defensive trenches. That's all you need to know. After they allowed five and a half yards per carry uh, before their bye last year as a run funnel, but if that is the case, if like the Raiders understand, like oh well, like this front seven got better. Thus, like, maybe we attack the secondary. Carr showed last year, arguably for the first time since he underwent fibula surgery in 2017, that he's open to risk and being more than just a game manager for Las Vegas. Uh, Because when Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller were both available up to Las Vegas' Week 8 bye, Derek Carr was actually the QB11 in fantasy points per game went 19 and a half averaging 324 passing yards in the league's fourth highest rate of throws 20 plus yards downfield and i think that's how this offense will attack the chargers knowing that jc jackson was out and that was important because an island cornerback like jc jackson like meant the chargers didn't have to send a top 10 blitz rate as they done under under brandon staley or as they done in general at a top 10 rate in the past two years and so like There is a there's an opportunity here where defensive schemes stay the same and Derek Carr can thrive against them. So I do like the Raiders passing attack here.
2: Yeah, it feels like it's going to be a bit of a shootout. Of course, the total speaks to it as well. Fifty two Jackson. You mentioned the cornerback being out for the Chargers. Uh, By the way, whatever was going on with Waller being held out, that was just a contract thing. He's fine. I don't, I don't, did he sign his contract? Is that all good to go now? Yeah. Uh, he, uh,
3: he magically healed once he got an extension. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. That, that, that's That's. They're basically playing games there. And it, it makes sense. Like I think his contract wasn't guaranteed and he wanted to make sure everything, he was good to go, get paid before he starts playing. Uh, we'll touch on the uh, touch on the Raiders rich, and then feel free to jump over to the Chargers.
1: Yeah. The Raiders are interesting. They have a wide range of outcomes. Like this, mm-hmm. this game could shoot out or th- it could like ultimately like really disappoint Uh, And I think a lot of it has to do with the Raiders side of the ball just because everything is new, right? You've got Josh McDaniels coming in. You have uh, another like rotation of offensive linemen. It's the league's worst offensive line. This offensive line is worse than the Bears' offensive line. Uh, you add Devontae Adams, Darren Waller hasn't even like really been with the team the entire offseason. Like, what if that he just like pops a wheel like you know the first game trying to like stretch himself out? Right? Uh, we don't really know. There's a lot of range, range of outcomes for the car, uh, the the Raiders and Carr was terrible versus the Chargers last year, uh, and that was the the version of the Chargers that didn't have Khalil Mack, that didn't have all those defensive tackles, that didn't have Kyle Van that didn't have Bryce Callahan. I mean. He even kept clean last year, uh, 5.4 yards per pass attempt against the Chargers. Uh, 14.4 fantasy points, 15.3 fantasy Mm -hmm. points. I like him from like a tournament stance because like Daigle said, there's like bonus potential here on DraftKings, but that's it. I don't think he's like a necessarily a great streamer uh, because he's just, it's just too volatile. I think the situation's really volatile, especially for the first game coming in. Um, and, And, you know, this preseason, we saw a lot of teams not really play anybody you know, are we going to see, like, defensive advantage, like, you know, early in the season? Because there just has been, like, no continuity. A situation like this where there's no continuity I think is very, very scary. Um, but, again, you look at the Chargers last year. I mean, their games averaged a combined 55 points. Like, it was number one in the NFL. Like, they always somehow – these games found a way to get there. Um, we'll see how good that defense is right out of the gates and if it's something we need to just ultimately, like, scrap and be scared of or not. Um, but, yeah, the Raiders, to me, are a very volatile, like, team. Like, it's tournament or nothing here. Like, I don't feel really good about the median for the Raiders.
2: Yeah, that's a good call. You're talking about there is actually a player on the Raiders that, would, that was played in the, uh, the preseason. Uh, Josh Jacobs was playing too much, and people got it concerned, uh, playing in the, the Hall of Fame game, right, into the second quarter, I believe. And that's another one of those backfields I don't think I want any part of. You figure Abdullah's going to be the third down back, and Jacobs, I guess, the number one guy. White's sort of lurking as well. They didn't extend him. They didn't commit to him beyond this year, new regime. If the Chargers get ahead, you know, it's only a three-point line, obviously, which I think is a little low, but uh, that's just me and then probably shreds to the public as well. Uh, We have a running back to get excited about, right? Austin Eckler, you know, he's awesome. You got to pay for him, obviously. We'll talk about Taylor soon enough. We'll talk about CMC soon enough. Where does he match up for you, uh, Rich, as far as the top running backs on the slate? Where is Eckler for you?
1: yeah this is a great running back slate right away for like premium mm-hmm. running backs like i mean week one you you look at like where are the guys you want to play and like we got a lot of really good running backs that were high draft picks that were in really good spots austin eckler one of them uh the chargers in general a year ago they reached the red zone on 45 percent of their drives it was the highest rate in league history more than the 2007 patriots like the You know, and the part of that is Brandon Staley, you know, the aggressive nature of getting there. Uh, We'll see if maybe having a defense makes him more aggressive. Right. You know, I've heard some people argue the inverse of like he had to be aggressive because the defense wasn't going to stop anyone on the ground. But what if having a defense just incentivized him like, hey, I can get stops. Like maybe, maybe they'll be even, even wilder, man. Maybe they'll even go for even more stuff. Uh, But Eckler was like the big beneficiary of that last year. I mean, he had more points in the red zone than every player in the NFL outside of Josh Allen. Uh, He had 40 more red zone points than Cooper cup last year. Uh, You know, obviously there will be some regression involved. It's just hard to factor in. Like when you look at like this chargers, these Chargers backs, like who's going to really challenge him for touches, like right out of the box. They've kind of hinted they're not really willing to give Isaiah Spiller those touches yet. Uh, they just brought in Sony Michelle. He's been to the team for a week. Like, is he going to come out of week one and, like, steal goal line carries? Probably not, right? Uh, and then you've got this Raiders defense that's pretty good, like, on the front four. The front four, is, front four here is pretty decent. They add and Brown uh, at linebacker. So, like, that's kind of, like... the the, you know air quote strength of this defense rushing the passer is kind of the strength um but the back end is still like the weakest link so even with Patrick Graham coming in for Gus Bradley we're not going to see that just we're going to sit in cover three and just rush for there the entire game like we saw last year there will be more multiple but like the quarterback depth just isn't here for the Raiders like they don't have enough talent uh on the perimeter here so that just makes me still want to be aggressive you know, with Justin Herbert, uh, you know, especially with only having like one weakness on the offensive line, that being right tackle uh, from from every other spot here. Like this offensive line is really in place here. Uh, this is it for the Chargers, right? Like there's no excuses this year. I know we, they find a way to get there. Like you said, but like, man, this team is so objectively loaded on paper, like they've got to find a way to cash this in, especially with Herbert, you know, getting closer every year to knocking on that big contract time. Um, yeah, I look at Herbert and obviously you're gonna have to pay for him, but I mean, he's a guy that I think is just going to absolutely be like kind of the focal point here of the offense. Cause you even get it to with Eckler in the receiving game. Like there's just a lot of ways to get there with Herbert
3: in terms of this is their year. They also drew the Falcons and, I believe they play the Browns whenever Jacoby Brissett's still under center. So, a great draw for off ball games as well for the Chargers. And then, um, you know, it takes a little bit of faith, like Reeb said, but also of like the if Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense is even slightly more aggressive. And he's not stricken to 23rd in air yards per attempt and 25th with a 7.9-yard depth of target. Like, yeah, this is this is literally just fireworks, no matter whether the Raiders answer or not.
2: John, you got uh, Keenan Allen or you got Mike Williams? Keenan seems a little bit safer and steadier. Mike Williams, a little more up and down. You know, he's certainly going to get that home run hitter. Got 120 and four catches and two touchdowns. And I guess the wild card, like big, big field tournament, Josh Palmer, I don't hate either. But your preference amongst those three, if you're making one uh, Herbert stack?
3: It's the teammate theory, and these two highlighted us having internal discussions on what is the better tournament play last year because Mike Williams was the better tournament play, but then DFS became so sharp that Mike Williams became the highest rostered one every single week, and thus Keenan Allen was actually the better tournament play. And I think that's where I lean again. Uh, Allen has averaged 10.7 targets and 14 fantasy points and 27 career starts he's completed with Justin Herbert. My only concern is that there's been this preseason drumbeat for Josh Palmer out of yeah. camp. uh, So much so, like, not just more 11 personnel, but, like, perhaps playing in more two-wide sets out of nowhere, too, which I guess what they would take Keenan Allen off the field, maybe. And, like, Keenan Allen's the one who suffered whenever Josh Palmer was on the field. Um, he averaged nearly four fewer fantasy points per game from Week 14 on whenever Palmer overthrew Jalen Guyton last year in 11 personnel. And so Mike Williams does, like we know, have the ceiling. Mike Williams is, of course, volatile too. He had four top 16 finishes, including two overall wide receiver one performances in his first five games to open the year and then exited briefly with that knee injury in week five and then only had two top 12 performances for the rest of the season on a decreased target share. But even, as we said, like Raiders offense volatility, volatility doesn't mean negative. It could also mean great things. Uh, my only issue is that I do think Mike Williams comes in higher roster than Allen, and thus I'm open to being higher on Allen for tournaments. Yeah, if you
2: like the Ricky Bobby approach, certainly uh, you know first to laugh last, last. Williams is certainly interesting, but you, you make a good point. Like Williams is a guy you generally want to roster when he's not being that rostered, and I'm not sure how heavily heavily only he's going to be this week around 10 or something like that. You like to get him when nobody's on him, obviously. You got a take on that, Rich? As far as uh, the Chargers receivers. Well, I, I think
1: that when you look at it from this week one layout, you know, especially we brought it up on DraftKings already. I don't know if anyone's going to run wild, right? With I don't know if, like, ownership's going to be that big of a factor. Like, we have mm. to run from anybody uh, this early in the season. You know, typically once we get going in season, the pricing tightens up, and then you get, like, an injury and, like, there's, like, something glaring. But I think it's probably going to be pretty flat this week. I mean, I, I could be wrong by the time we get to Saturday night. But I don't know if anyone's really going to go crazy in terms of rostership. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's Mike Williams typically gets the types of targets you look for the end zone, vertical targets. I mean, the other guy in this game, too, to kind of look at is Gerald Everett. Uh, you know, Chargers used their tight ends a lot last year, a lot more, I think people realize, because they had to throw multiple bodies at the position. Um, but we've already seen like Austin Eckler, you know, on his podcast with Matt Harmon. Matt Harmon's living the life doing shows with <laughs> Austin Eckler and Stefan Dixon. Celebrity now. Uh, yeah, but he, Austin Eckler brought up Gerald Everett, too, and like his role in the offense. I mean, the Chargers probably, if you you wouldn't know, just because they had Jared Cook as their lead guy, but they were ninth in the NFL in targets, tenth in receptions, and eleventh in yards from their tight ends last year, and they were also eighth in touchdowns to so their tight ends. Uh, so if Gerald Everett can kind of squeeze that role into one, I mean. Did their tight ends were a factor against the Raiders. Jared Cook was a top 12 tight end in both games against the Raiders last year. I mean, he's another kind of one of those cheapy kind of one-off like stacking guys with Josh Palmer like you can get a little bit cute with. I just don't know if you're going to get there because I don't think the the roster ships really going to go crazy this week because of dudes like Michael Pittman being 5500 on DraftKings. The
3: the only con- <laughs> the the only concern is that um I wonder which game is the late swap game. So we have the Giants-Titans, which I also think is kind of interesting, but it does offer a lot of cheap wide receivers. You could jam in on DraftKings in particular. Uh, Raiders-Chargers, Packers-Vikings, and Cardinals-Chiefs. Everyone we know is going to start in the Cardinals-Chiefs, and there's only three other options to late swap to. And so I wonder if like maybe this is the late swap one. That's the only thing that would scare me about uh, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Uh, you got to take on that Robinson by the
2: way for the Giants, he's the 3k potential special there in New York, and their receiving core seems like a disaster going into the season. Uh, I, you, you mentioned it, uh, you know, John. I'm just curious is he, is he the most interesting amongst that giant receiving core that bet on the rookie? Or,
3: uh, Saquon Barkley's probably the most interesting among the receiving core, that's a good um, point, and yeah. everyone is aware of it. That's the real issue we need to talk about.
2: By the way, to the point, uh, as far as ownership, I think it's worth noting. Uh, as far as receivers for the Chargers, when you consider price, it's more of a Fandle thing because Mike Williams distinctly cheaper, six six on Fandle, Allen, seven four. So we have this again, brain assault, Wednesday which should night. be inverse on that site, which is weird 13 14 for Williams and five percent for Keenan Allen. Uh, and yeah, on DBA, that's, yeah, that's
3: why that's why I keep coming back to gosh, Devontae Adams because uh, on a tight week where everyone's paying up at running back. No one's going to scroll to the top and click on Devontae Adams as the highest priced receiver at 8500 which is at a reasonable price, especially for Devontae Adams on FanDuel. And that's why I keep coming back to it.
2: Currently got him like 14% for both sites, more or less. Hmm.
3: That's where he's at. Is I don't know kind of who the hell you? everyone's playing then because that's an expensive lineup.
2: They found themselves a cheap code. They got some extra thousands of dollars somewhere. I don't really know. They'll figure out a way to make it work. We're going to run it back and give our favorite players position by position that we did not talk about in those three main games. Do want to mention Roto Uh, you know, jam packed with content this NFL season, single entry to showdown, everything in between. We've got you covered this NFL season. That's why you hit the like button. That's why you follow. That's why you subscribe, not just for this show, but a pile of shows. We're on Sunday morning as well, taking you guys all the way up to lock. Do want to mention thrive, join in on the fantasy prop action. This NFL season with thrive fantasy, it's an easy to play, no salary cap style contest that revolves around over-under style player props. How it works, each prop has a fantasy score associated with the prop. The riskier the prop happens to be, the higher the fantasy score is. Uh, you rack up the most points for your share of the prize pool. And, of course, we're going to have a promo code. The promo code is GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S, when you sign up for a deposit bonus, up to $250, as well as free tickets. Terms and conditions apply. Check out Roto review page for Thrive Fantasy in the description for more information. And they have a big boy contest, a guaranteed big boy contest going down on week one. $250,000 prize pool, $25 as far as the entry point, $50,000 up top. And, uh, like, look, they're the sponsor of the show, and for their sake, I hope it sells out. But as somebody that's playing in that contest, it might it might overlay, which you don't see overlay so much these days anymore, but that potentially could overlay. John, I sent you. A, there's there's 20 options, right? You got to pick over and under on a variety of things. And again, some you get more points for others because some are more likely to happen. Be as ambitious as you want to be. Do you have a couple winners for the people? Do you to have another list in front of you?
3: Hopefully, we already talked about one. in Jalen Hurts, uh, I believe the number you sent me was 21 and a half completions, right? That's I'm the one that out. eight is 18, 18 and a half. Great. Great. I'd love a EV on my hypothetical number I mentioned. So, yes, 18 and a half completions, that's where I stand. Again, I, Reeves also backed me. We both think this Eagles offense is going to be more pass-heavy, no matter the game script. Not only week one against the Lions, but overall in general. And so, yeah, I like Jalen Hurts over 18 and a half completions.
2: Yeah, so you get 85 points for that. Now, if you pick under that, you want to be ambitious, you get 115. No. So. Yeah, there's a risk reward to it, and like theoretically, you can go ten and zero and still like not win because you're getting less points because you're being less ambitious.
3: I'm a uh, I'm yeah. a minus one twenty better even if I lay more. So I'm going to yeah. take eighty five over one fifteen. That's fine.
2: Anything else by chance? Yeah, 18 and a half. You get over eighty five points. Is there any any other thing on the board? Uh, George Kittle. Well, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but he's currently uh, plus. We well, get one hundred twenty points if you catch over a half a touchdown. He gets a touchdown. You get 120 points under, you get 80 points. And I assume I'll we'll just throw it off the board. If that gets scratched, there's 20 options. So how about, how about
3: you scroll back up? And I will also, I may be stealing riches, but knowing that Jalen Waddle is dealing with the with the quad injury. And even though if he plays, I still question how much he'll play, uh, especially because we don't know how the Patriots offense that was absolutely putrid preseason is going to respond. So I like Tyreek Hill and DFS. We were going to talk about that as well. But I also think Tyreek Hill over 70 and a half yards. Hell yeah. Like this, this could, pro, this could maybe be his highest target share of the entire year, given Jalen Waddle's pending status. Is there, there a realistic chance he doesn't go? Waddell? I don't know about doesn't go, but I think we're in Chris Godwin state where He's even go. if he goes, like, what is he? Is he a 60% player?
2: Do you happen to have a, a pick, Rich? Was yours just stolen?
1: Uh, no, I mean, looking at these, I mean, you got a lot of injury guys on the board. I mean, you've got Chris Godwin, you can take unders on him and George Kittle, uh, and you know, the event that those guys play or they're limited, uh, Michael Thomas, uh, probably the under five and a half catches. I mean, five and a half seems like it's probably a good line, but I mean, how much throwing are the saints eventually going to have to do also, you know, he's got more tar- target competition at any point in his career. He, the, the only two good Atlanta defenders are the actual cornerbacks AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward. Um, you know th- that, and he's hurt too. Like he's coming back from a hamstring injury. Like how much uh, how effective is he going to be? Feels like a little bit high. Zeke one and a half touchdowns against the Buccaneers. Like I know it's only like it's a huge disparity. <laughs> yeah, sixty disparity. points though. Yeah, yeah I don't disparity. Yeah, still though. I mean, like do you do you not want free
2: points? Is that still I, not the game? I don't – I mean, is 60 points, it, it could be useful. It's better than a loss. But, like, I don't know if I, I – I'm conflicted, to be honest. Like, I get it both ways. But you did mention the Godwin one. 45-and-a-half is not a huge number, but you get 125 points if you bet it under. And if he's playing hobbled and I guess if he doesn't play, whatever, it's just going to be thrown away and no will replace it or something like that. But um, I, I think that's interesting if he goes and he's not full go, right? So right. Yeah. You're
1: like, he's a situational player, you know, something like that. Like they're getting him going. I mean, I don't see any reason to put him even on the field in week one, but
2: you know, it's not up to me. I agree with you. But again, it's not up to me either. Again, use the promo code grinders G R I N D E R S. You get a sign up bonus up to a uh, deposit bonus up to $250 as well as free tickets. Uh, check it out, check out thrive and check out that big contest. They have other things going on as well too, but that's just one I felt like we could focus on. Uh, we're going to run it back to our favorite quarterbacks. I'll throw it to you, Rich. Uh, I see somebody in the chat talking about Lamar Jackson. who's going to, you know, of course, he's going to be reasonably popular versus the Jets. You got Burrow versus Pittsburgh, Rodgers versus Minnesota, and what could potentially be a bit of a shootout. On the other side, Cousins is pretty interesting. Lance is cheap uh, against Chicago. Uh, first blood revenge game for Baker Mayfield. Not a first blood revenge game for Joe Flacco. <laughs> well, What do you have here, Rich, as far as other quarterbacks that are worth talking about?
1: It's, you know, what it, it already looks again where we left off last year. I mean, last year was a pay up for quarterback season uh, in terms of redraft and DFS. And it looks like we have that again immediately in week one. I mean, when you're trying to look for like cheapy values, like the old days, even on DraftKings, like there's not a lot that stands out. Jameis Winston at 5,100 is like the most appealing guy in terms of matchup. But again, like how much they're going to have to throw. There's definitely some upside there, but there's definitely also just like a just though, like a, a complete, just like pedestrian game, like in the range of outcomes as well. Uh, yeah. And you ran through a lot of the names. I mean, you talk, we've talked about Mahomes, we talked about Kyler, uh, you know, Lamar against the Jets. Uh, his by far, like, his best situation, you know, of the opening two months. I mean, their schedule is absolutely atrocious the first, like, two months of the season. Um, but, yeah, you know, the Jets, you know, are a team that don't really blitz a lot. Uh, you know, that's something that that was really Lamar Jackson's, like, main bugaboo. Uh, I think Rashad Bateman's a great play. Mark Andrews is a great play. So you have stacking partners. Um, you know, and then Trey Lance, probably, again, like, Trey Lance. Like, both sides kind of appropriately prepared for Trey Lance. Like, they weren't going to let anyone be, like, believe anything that like Jimmy grapple is going to start and like give like a freebie. Uh, So I think that will keep like his roster ship kind of in check. And like the 49ers didn't really show us anything in the preseason. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that like this offense still could be in a ceiling outcome. Uh, Now he's another one of these guys that probably has like a, a, a high ceiling and then just like kind of like a pedestrian floor. Uh, so you do want to use him like in tournaments, but definitely I'll be monitoring to see like where he's rostered against this bears defense. That's going to be starting quite a number of rookies, especially in the back end, uh, you know, and Tyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, like, it's like, there's definitely some potential here that like Shane Hans got something for us.
2: That is the lowest total on the board. A lot of that's in part to the bears. It a total on their 17 at 40 and a half yeah. total as far as that game. Uh, what do you have here, John, as far as uh, quarterbacks? Who do you want to focus on that, you know, quarterback we've yet to talk about in the three featured games?
3: It's it's very similar. Like uh, my pool will probably consist of a lot of Herbert, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray. And, and like Rich said, we're waiting to see how the field treats Trey Lance. Uh, the only other one, since DJ Chark got mentioned, I guess I'll mention uh, my worst play of the week. And I know Reeves also will have a pick that combats this when we get to running backs. But I think Tannehill may be interesting. Like, we have to get some pushback from a Giants offense with Daniel Jones, who looked terrible in camp and throughout the preseason, and, like, are just injured, like, littered with injuries throughout their wide receiver core, and honestly, like, don't trust any of them either. Um, But if we do get pushback, remember, like, Derrick Henry made Ryan Tannehill better like Tannehill averaged 8.2 yards per attempt on 144 throws last year with Derrick Henry on the field, 29% of his attempts last season for Tannehill, whereas he averaged Tannehill only 6.3 yards per attempt with Derrick Henry off the field, 344 passes in that last stat. And so, again, it's thin, especially because we don't need the salary. That's really the big-picture argument here on DraftKings Mm -hmm. that we don't need it. Uh, But if someone says DJ Chark, that's kind of like the cheapest I go at quarterback for me is Ryan Tannehill.
2: Who would you pair him with? Would it be Woods
3: by default? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Austin Hooper. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but it, it would be uh, Robert Woods. But for Million Maker, if someone wanted to do Nick Westbrook-Akeen, just because that's a pivot off of Wondell Robinson, I mean, Westbrook Hakeem may play more snaps than Wando Robinson in the very same game, so why not?
1: I wrote up Ryan Tannehill in the worksheet, and, you know, I want to be so fully on board with this. because It's the big-picture
3: argument. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, uh, and, yeah, you know, with, with Wink Martindale especially, too, coming over, you know, from the Ravens to the Giants, and think about what Wink Martindale did as a defensive coordinator in the back half of the year with the Baltimore Ravens when they were trotting out like dudes off the street playing cornerback. And he still never adjusted and just put them on islands. He just, they just kept blitzing. And so far in the preseason, all he did was blitz with the Giants. I mean, they, in the preseason, where like dudes are trying to work <laughs> through stuff, they blitzed on 44% of dropbacks. They played cover yeah. zero on a league high, 13% of opponent dropbacks. And this team's quarterbacks from a starting stance, looks like the Ravens quarterbacks that like we left off at. So I do want to get on board. I think the Giants are going to be a team we target for quarterback play, especially now with Dayball coming over and they're going to run so much more 11 personnel and kind of be a more aggressive offense. We'll see if it's successful. But uh, the other thing for this game too, and it's early in the week is it looks like this game could be played in like a thunderstorm. So like, yeah, keep mm-hmm. an eye on that and like, if it just turns into like a slop fest where it's like muddy and Derek Henry's running the ball 35 times because the Titans are a seven point favorite like what are we going to end up getting with it but I definitely see like the pro argument because the Giants are a team I have circled like every week like they're going to be a team we really really target for passing game production this year
3: especially because like Barkley can get there when Tannehill gets there like uh Barkley leads the team of targets and Tannehill still gets there via rushing touchdowns as well there's several
2: games, again, Wednesday night that, uh, you know, there's potential weather lurking. You mentioned Tennessee. We'll have to see what Chief Meteorologist Kevin Roth has to say about this on Sunday, but Carolina possibly, Chicago possibly, and I think Cincinnati's Cincinnati. another one. Cincinnati is yeah. the other one. It's, like,
1: basically all the East Coast teams, like, at that period of time.
2: Yeah, just sort of keep an eye on it. And, like, the Vegas numbers will adjust accordingly. Is like, you know, there's a reason why those buildings, uh, you know, they, they, they were built. They have the money to figure this stuff out. Uh, I want to hear, Rich. I want to ask you about, you know, your thoughts on CMC and Jonathan Taylor and Kambara and Henry and all these guys, but all of them. I'm curious who your, your running back version of Ryan Daniel is. Who is that? Oh, me? I don't know. Do I have one? I didn't know oh, if, I, if I had did, one or not.
1: Didn't uh, John
3: just say that you had to – did I miss here? Oh, no. I, th- I thought he was going to combat with Derrick Henry because uh, Derrick oh. Henry is a very a very obvious play as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I look at that – I am
1: gotcha. having trouble right now at the start of the week trying to narrow it down because, you know, I'm someone that likes to definitely keep a tighter pull of players and – man, all of these guys look so damn good right now. It's, it looks like such a big up for running back week. It's just trying to narrow it down and getting the right ones. I mean, we talked about Derrick Henry and, like, the spot he's in. You know, I had the tweet that showed, like, when he's been – like, the past three years when the Titans have been a six-or-plus point favorite. I mean, he averages 27 touches per game, 159 yards from scrimmage uh, – the Giants routine we picked on the entire year. Houston allowed the most rushing yards on explosive runs in the league last year. And they faced the guy that just lives on explosive Ooh. runs his entire career going back to college and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he absolutely, and Jonathan Taylor absolutely eviscerated them in two matchups last year. Uh, how do you not get with that? Kamara is kind of stuck under the radar because, you know, people were worried about him getting suspended. Like what's going to happen. And now he's just going to start the season you know, against the Atlanta Falcon team, like where they're, they're favored. Like he looks great. Uh, we've got Austin Eckler who we talked about. Dalvin cook is in a new situation where not only does the offense that Kevin O'Connell brings make a Kirk cousins and this passing game more viable uh, it, you know, he's going to run it against lighter boxes for the first time in his career, just due to the fact of how much 11 personnel the Vikings are going to run. So he's interesting in that same game, both Packers backs are extremely interesting. Um, you know, with especially the injuries that the Packers wide receivers has. And the Vikings were – the Vikings were actually worse against the run than the Chargers last year. They were 32nd EPA against the run last year. Haven't really made a lot of changes on the front four. Uh, you know, new off, new defensive coordinator, Ned Donatel. Uh, but, man, it is loaded. And, luckily, thank goodness, they some of these guys are removed from the slakes. Like Leonard Fournette looks like a good play. Like, it, it's loaded at the top.
2: Yeah, man. And like, like you said, some of the prices, you know, because like when CMC was healthy, he was like a 10 K player on DK and he's eight, five, like, what are we doing here? Eight, five, but everything is relative. And, you know, we're seeing Barkley at six, one, a guy who, when he was, you know, at his peak, he was eight or nine K and Taylor, you know, nine, one on DK Fando a little bit trickier, 10.2 K for Taylor over there. Uh, Henry's another guy we've paid upwards of 10 He's eight, six on DK. Of course, Theoretically, the way his game works is a better play on Fandle on than he is on DK, where DK's, you know, half point PPR, I'm sorry, full point PPR, and DK's half point. Uh, but of course, he's got a good shot at getting those 100 yards. And Mixon, too. Are game. we even talking about Mixon? Mixon looks
1: amazing this week, too, because What's the Steelers. Point? were awful against the run last year. Stefan Tewitt retires. Uh, they really didn't get any improvement in terms of objective personnel additions, and they're huge underdogs on the road, like a typical spot we look for to play a running back, right? And you just talked, if the weather becomes a thing where people sleep on it and they just want to play Burrow and the the pass catchers because those guys are sexy. I mean, Mixon slaughtered the, the Steelers in both games last year. He averaged five and a half yards per carry against them, and that was with the Bengals' offensive line of last year, not the upgraded one.
2: Yeah, pretty good price there on DK. It's 7-1, on, uh, on Fandle as well. Harris, I don't love that Pittsburgh line, obviously, but 6-4 on DK seems a little bit too cheap considering his skill set, assuming he's fine with the list, Frank. Uh, jump in here, John. Who's standing out for you when all things are considered here? Because it's, the top is really good. The opportunity cost is huge as well, which can kind of bring in uh, a Damian Pierce because he's 4-8 on DK. But we don't know what we're getting. This guy, in theory, it's kind of his backfield, right? and. I don't know, I, but you know he's, he's cheap, and he's probably going to play as a good point-per-dollar guy in theory, but uh, the opportunity cost is pretty strong at running back. Where, where are you at here?
3: Mixon is the one that I'm going to be overweight on. I think he's a great salary, and anytime you can allow me to bet against Zach Taylor being competent, I'm going to take it every chance I get. So I, I do think Mixon's an amazing play this week, and I'll be overweight on him. Uh, my only issue is that I think the running back this week Remember, every slate's different. I think it's the same argument we have for quarterbacks in that it's really hard to pay up, except we at least know quarterback production is replaceable. That's why I kind of like Tannehill and squeezing in a couple expensive running backs as opposed to going down to Damian Pierce, who we don't know for certain he has passing down role over rex burkhead going down to travis Etienne, who has the passing down role but like does he have goal line does he, he definitely doesn't have early down carries over james robinson who we're expecting to play i even came in thinking i was going to pivot onto chase edmonds at least on fan duel uh chase edmonds has never been used on the goal line just six career carries inside the five yard line but we get the coaching staff change to miami uh who can certainly signed him as a free agent and also sony michelle released makes it an even more ambiguous situation for a goal line role that could see Chase Edmonds have money touches for the first time in his career. But even then, like, how much am I losing in playing Chase Edmonds even on a touchdown slot like FanDuel whenever we have these other explosive options? So I generally don't know if I'm going to sacrifice my positions at running back this week. I think I'm fine just uh, paying up.
2: What about uh, another kind of sort of cheapy is Antonio Gibson. Obviously, the tragedy of Robinson, now he elevates as the number one guy there in Washington, but McKissick is still lurking. Uh, But, you know, Washington seemed to not not like him, right? Um, But now they're sort of stuck, you know, and they got a matchup here against Jacksonville, home favorites, reasonable price at
3: 5'8". Where is he in the mix for you, John? Well, J.D. McKissick through week 12 when he was healthy last year. Remember, now with Brian Robinson out of the way for however long... This is the same situation as it was last year. And Jaden McKissick out-targeted Antonio Gibson seventeen to one on third and fourth down. So, like, we don't expect to see targets for Antonio Gibson. That's my only concern. And McKissick was the one averaging uh, a career-high 11.5 PPR points per game in that stretch until he was injured. And then and only then did Gibson get hammered with 27.5 touches per game. So, uh, I, I don't think I'm as high on him as a lot of others are, but I could... I don't know. Maybe I could see it, even though Aaron Jones is only 600 more on FanDuel. So,
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm just having a hard time with the Green Bay stuff. Like 1A and 1A of Jones and Dylan, and I get it. One of them can certainly break out, but is one of them going to, like, overcome the entire field? It's certainly possible. But what are you doing with that backfield there, Rich, as far as Green Bay? Like, they're not priced like CMC and Taylor and Henry, but of course their portion of the pie is not going to be as great either. I'm sort of throwing my hands up on those two for now. I, I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, from tournament stance, I mean, it's still like Aaron Jones for the ceiling perspective, right? Like, I mean, the dude has double-digit touchdowns in each of the last three years, and only Derrick Henry has scored in a higher rate of games. It's when he doesn't score, he has that low floor, right? He's, he's way more volatile than people uh, – Forget and that's something I brought up like with Don Dagle show like early in the summer you know about like when he doesn't score touchdowns so I mean he would be the guy I would look to for like tournament play because he also has that kind of receiving work too if like this game were to shoot out or somehow the Vikings like are ahead right like he would be the guy to kind of lean on especially now that it looks like Lazard's not going to play either. Uh, At this point of the week, I mean, we'll follow these last two days. But I mean, he hasn't practiced yet, so it looks pretty dire for him uh, to start the year two as well. So I mean, I'm leaning more towards Aaron Jones. I get how Dylan could get there, but like, I feel like even with a touchdown from Dylan, like, is it enough? Where at least like Aaron Jones, like, Aaron Jones is like a thirty burger in his range of outcomes still, and I don't think Dylan has that.
2: Yeah, uh, that's a good take, and it's gotta be in your tournament pool if nothing else. Um, all right, well, let's knock out some receivers, some tight ends. We've kept the people long enough. We apologize I for running long. It's the first it's the first show of the season. you know. And we didn't happen to have any uh, any clock, so we just kind of let, let it go and see how it goes. We're going to go for about an hour and a half. Thanks for sticking with us. Do hit that like button if you guys are hanging out in the old YouTube. And if you're listening uh, anywhere on the Runner Guys platforms, by all means, uh, like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. Receivers, John, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson certainly popping. You got some, you know, Jamar Chase. Uh, we've already talked about it a couple of times on DK specifically, the Pittman price is pretty goofy at 5.5 K versus Houston. Everybody likes Pittman in the season long. And now he's opened up the year in a dome there versus Houston at that 5.5 price, 7-2 on Fandle, playable, but 5.5 on DK is really, really solid. Where do you want to start as far as some receivers you want to highlight on the slate?
3: And honestly, since Pittman already essentially broke out, he was the wide receiver six through week eight from Carson Wentz before Carson Wentz became Carson Wentz in the second half of the season, and he was the wide receiver 30 from that point on, Uh, i probably just eat the Pittman chalk on DraftKings, not on FanDuel. We'll get there at tight end. But for me, I also think Elijah Moore, like if we're playing Lamar Jackson, Elijah Moore is very interesting. Mm-hmm. We've already seen the stat on Twitter by a lot of people that, oh, Joe Flacco played last year against the Dolphins, and then Elijah Moore had 11 targets from him, thus that's the connection. I don't give a shit about that. Uh, what I care about is the fact that Elijah Moore for the first time in his career was an every down player during the preseason with Joe Flacco and the first team offense. And if you're telling me now Corey Davis is no longer in the way because Elijah Moore's playing consistently and two wide sets uh, from Joe Flacco against this Ravens defense. Okay. That's where I become interested. And so um, I do think for the first time in his career, we may see him play 90% of snaps and that's the targets I want to chase, especially at such a cheap price. And then I already mentioned Tyreek Hill, because of how hidden Jalen Waddle's quad injury has been. And I don't know. We'll see. You know, I'm gonna look at injury reports. I'm gonna see what happens. But I don't know if Jalen Waddle will be a full time player. And if that's the case, like Tyreek Hill's only 28. Yes, he had a career low in yards per route run last year, but it was still two point one. It was still an elite measure uh in a new offense where he can get hammered targets and carries as a wide back option. So I do like Tyreek Hill sneaking him in uh potentially for again his highest target share potentially. Of the year,
2: I know uh, Rich gave his thoughts earlier, briefly, as far as uh, what's going on there with the Orleans and Michael Thomas. I just thought it was of note, and somebody in chat was asking about it, like a pivot away from Pittman on DK, basically a direct pivot with Michael Thomas. But everything is kind of baked into that price, John. At five seven, he's six two on FanDuel, which is a pretty good price too. And this is one of the best receivers in the league. A couple of years ago, the most reliable guy. I know his situation has changed. He no longer has the most accurate quarterback of all time thrown to him. There's more target options out there, but it's all kind of sort of some of baked in. I don't, this is another tricky one, man. I mean, then people, a lot of people are just going to wait and see, let's see what he can do. And there's been chatter as far as how healthy he may or may not be. Um, five, seven though, Michael Thomas, are you leaning in? You're leading out. you waiting and see. What, what are you going to look here?
3: What are you well, doing? If I mentioned, if I mentioned Derek Carr, you know, I'm open to Michael Thomas. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much I'll have of him, but also like, if Michael Thomas plays, Chris Olave is a boomer bust option for me, which again is is fine for for tournaments. But yeah, I honestly haven't put much thought into it. Uh but fifty seven hundred is pretty cheap. Yeah, I don't know what
2: I'm doing either, but I just think I'm willing to play anybody for the right price, and that might be the of right course. price. And I don't know. Uh, would you want to expand on that, Rich, as far as Thomas, or we move, up? We move on? He's got
1: to show it to me, man. Like I'm I'm, I'm fine, but like, he's got to show it to me. I mean, especially he's never played with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's been out of the lineup basically all preseason with that ankle injury. Thomas has had a hamstring injury following the ankle injury. He's now playing with target competition for the first time in his Saints career since he was a rookie. Uh,
3: I just got to see it. I got to see it.
1: There's too many guys. There's too many guys for me to play.
3: Yeah, there's definitely too many guys around that range.
1: Like, I've already talked about Juju and the Sun God. Like, I'm into those guys that, like, you know, Juju's way cheaper. Uh, You brought up Elijah Moore. I love the mini of Elijah Moore and Bateman. I I mean, Bateman's one of these guys that's been out of sight, out of mind. But, like, he fits this offense a lot better than Marquise Brown did. I mean, and this is a guy that's tremendously talented. And, you know, maybe I'm just holding some conviction for both of those players. I love them both so much as prospects. Uh, But the Jets were a team we picked on for wide receiver play all year. We talked about Lamar. Andrews is going to be an inherent stacking partner for Lamar. But I think Bateman's in just as good a spot, if not better. Um Christian Kirk is a guy like I think you can be ahead of early. He's so cheap on both sites. Uh, he's not typically like the type of guy you would want to play on FanDuel, but I don't know if you necessarily get hurt this week playing him. Um, I mean, he ran a career high, 78% of his routes in the slot last year. He only ran 22 routes this preseason, but he was targeted on 37% of them, uh, two and a half yards per out run. He's facing a Washington team. Uh, that was absolutely miserable in terms of guarding slot wide receivers last year. They were 29th in points allowed to opposing slot receivers, 29th in receptions allowed, 29th in touchdowns allowed to opposing slot wide receivers. They swept the board there uh, for the slot machine. Uh, So, I mean, he's another guy I'm looking at. Like, yeah, he's really cheap. Uh, Darnell Mooney is another guy that could be really cheap and underpriced. I mean, San Francisco is – the thing with the 49ers, though, is like their defensive line is such a mismatch for Mm -hmm. the Bears. Like, but – they have a, a bunch of moving pieces on the back end. They've, they've basically moved on from three starters last year on the back end. And, you know, how good are those guys there? Them? so like, can you hit something with Mooney? Um, and there's just, like I said, a lot of guys in that area that I just feel a lot more confident in, uh, you know, paying for.
3: I'm sure um, if Deontay Johnson's ruled out too, George Pickens at 4,100 will also get steamed. And will be easily
1: avoidable, but correct. be steamed.
3: You're Correct. I mean, the Steelers
1: scored a touchdown on two drives in, against the Bengals. I know that was with Ben Roethlisberger. But we're talking about weather potentially being an issue. Uh, they scored two touchdowns against them. The Bengals are still have a, a, a really solid defense. The Steelers' offense could actually potentially be worse than people are expecting to as well mm-hmm. under Mitchell Trubisky with this offensive line. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to have a tough time, too, getting there. I would say maybe you could talk me into
2: maybe a little bit of Claypool, but like I'm not playing you any Steelers at this juncture. Fair enough. Uh, Before we move on to to tight end, I just want to, as a general thought, John, I guess I'll ask you first, uh, wide receiver, quarterback matchups, anything stand out for you this week? Or is it general rule? Do you even care about wide receiver, quarterback
3: matchups? I'm admittedly not that far into my notes, Dean. So uh, Reeves, with the week one worksheet being done, the floor is yours. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, especially inherently in a season, that stuff gets,
1: I think, a little overanalyzed from the stance of just like, one nfl teams don't play a lot of man coverage right uh it's basically a 70 30 like almost zone demand rate in the nfl uh and it's typically not just one guy following one guy on those routes and they're in man coverage so it does get overstated a little bit we're looking at it more from a top down stance you can get all that stuff just baked into like team stats right and like team performance like we don't really need to go in the woods unless someone stands out we also have in this era of football very few like elite shutdown corners to begin with. We just have very few of those guys right now. Obviously Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in the NFL, but like really the next best guy uh objectively is AJ Terrell, you know, and he doesn't really get a lot of respect. Did he make a Pro Bowl last year? Uh, but is the second best like kind of shadow guy in the NFL. But like we just we've very those the the Revis guys are kind of gone right now uh in the NFL. We don't have a lot of them to be like really scared of.
3: And we also know that. Like, unless it's Gus Bradley, who you mentioned earlier, who remember, like, even when Patrick Mahomes was facing a league-high amount of two high safeties and teams were containing him um, and making him, you know, more efficient, but also making him dump it off. Like, Gus Bradley in that matchup, Patrick Mahomes still finishes the overall QB1 in the week because he didn't play a single snap from two-eye safety. He rolled cover three at him, and Patrick Mahomes burned him for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, And so those are the kind of matchups we look for. I know Reeves also last year, remember, he was the first on Joe Burrow against the Ravens' blitz rate. And so as we move along here in the regular season, we'll have those notes. But in particular, straight-up cornerback-wide receiver matchups, nothing, especially in week one for me. John, you hinted at uh, wanting to talk about a tight end. Bring us home. Let's knock out tight ends. Mo Alley-Cox. If we're chasing touchdown upside on FanDuel, I'm trying to find a way to get on not only the Colts rising team high total, which is second on the board this Sunday slate. I'm also trying to find a way off of Jonathan Taylor, who's like the most expensive running back, if I want to play Christian McCaffrey or look elsewhere at Joe Mixon. Willie Cox has touchdown equity, and I still don't think he's going to catch steam, even being so cheap on FanDuel. And so, like, that's where we get the great equalizer in touchdowns, and that's where I want to play him, and I think it makes a lot of sense since there's no competition. He played every first-string snap with Matt Ryan in the preseason, albeit very minimum. There were only 13 but we have fourth round tight end, Kylan Granson, who only had 11 receptions last year. I believe the number was. And then Jelani Woods, who, like they're saying, might as well turn into a linebacker. He's still lost playing tight end. So, like, there's just no one else who can spike production like Mo Alley-Cox can in that tight ends room.
2: 3-4 on DK, 4-8 in Fanduel. I don't want to tell you how low our current projections has him. This stuff will change, oh,
3: I know. I've been burned by Mola
2: Cox before. <laughs> <laughs> but you I mean on FanDuel you're shooting for a touchdown, and that's basically what you're doing I mean obviously two touchdowns. Yeah. Well yeah, of course. Why not take two? Uh, but a lot of times or, oh yeah, DK as well. Like with your you get your tech, cheap tight end. Um I'm curious what people are gonna do with I, uh, some more money I kinda week.
3: like I kinda like David and Joku on uh DraftKings. Now it, it's still you know, on on Fanduel, it makes sense to chase touchdowns since also Kyle Pitts is relatively cheap, and I think that's where everyone goes, especially if we lose George Kittle, who uh, would be a good response, a stacking partner with Trey Lance. But David Njoku, like, again, we're just looking for potentially tight ends to lead their team as targets or score touchdowns, and no one can say with certainty that Amari Cooper is going to lead not only Sunday, but for the entire season, the Browns and targets. Uh, David Njoku could very well do that. I think it's a great spot, and it'll be – further ahead than anyone else will be in tournaments since, like we haven't seen David Njoku be good since week six whenever Baker Mayfield still had a healthy shoulder. Like after that, Njoku from week seven on didn't have over 40 receiving yards. So like he's just forgotten. But it was before then when he had over 100 yards and a touchdown and 75 yards, his best two games, through those first six weeks. So yeah, I I think there, there can actually be a lot of production here for Njoku. They just paid him
2: too, right? Didn't they pay Njoku? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was the sixth most
3: annually. Was that it? Something like that.
2: He got a good chunk of change for somebody that wasn't all that spectacular. And good for him. Uh, Rich, your thoughts as far as tight end? Uh, We brought up
1: a lot of the guys that will be in my player pool. I think like my cheapie will be Gerald Everett uh you know i love goddard as the pitts the pitts pivot you know he's kind of the same he's well he's well underpriced there on uh DraftKings, but you know with his kyle pitts being six can fan duel goddard's five seven we'll see if he can you know kind of sl- slink in there uh and check in on, on ownership there but i mean i think pitts is gonna be pretty popular over there like Dale's kind of alluded to um and you know pitts is a guy i really don't have any trouble fading i mean i do have some fomo because i understand the talent but like yeah what has really changed, you know, for his situation? Like, it's still just a bet on talent. And we did this all last year for 17 weeks. Uh, and, like, the matchup is shit. Like, the, I mean, the Saints absolutely boxed him last year. He was caged in both games against the Saints. Because Arthur Smith is a donkey and just lines him up at wide receiver and lets, <laughs> you know, teams take Kyle Pitts out of the game. Uh, Arthur Smith needs to put some faith in, in me uh, absolutely by moving Kyle Pitts around and getting him more some advantageous situations like you should do for your favorite player or uh, your best player on offense um, but I actually don't like have any problem just like coming off the rip and being like yeah I, uh, if the field's gonna be on Kyle Pitts like we did this for 17 weeks last year I'm gonna just go back to the well and say alright I'm not gonna go and follow the lemmings uh, here now I will have a little bit of FOMO because I understand the talent but you know uh, I, I, that's the life I'm gonna live. He's gonna but be like super high owned. Like
3: you said, you said you do that on Fanduel too, and that's why Dallas Goddard, as you mentioned, makes so much sense because he's only 300 less than Pitts. Like no yeah. one's gonna see it coming from anywhere. Yeah, and I
1: think Pitts will be popular just inherently because of hurt. You know, we always get this right. Like yeah. uh, the the QB when the QBs are gonna be high owned, like their stacking partners inherently come along for the ride. Uh, so I do think people will get there, and, and I think a lot of people will be like me and look at the pit situation because Pitts is one of these guys like everyone understand the talent and the, and the ceiling but there have been detractors right like investment like from an investment stance he was super rich and redraft and you got people saying like dude d- nothing's changed he plays for the falcons i mean one of the worst offenses in the nfl is the qb play any better like could be worse like drake london's coming in banged up so like are like is this really all they have like there's a lot I think that like you know the there'll at least be enough people still like that think about it, like me too. And maybe he doesn't go wild, but I'm gonna be watching it because if he ends up being a guy, it's gonna push twenty percent on a slate like this. Like, I'm just gonna go elsewhere.
2: Current ownership Wednesday night: uh, Fandle, Kelsey seventeen percent, Pitts sixteen percent, Goddard thirteen, Kittle ten. Obviously, that can change. The interesting one to me is Andrews at five. Um, yeah, I mean, Andrews can certainly be the highest-scoring tight end in this slate. Essentially the same price as Kelsey. Uh, DK specifically, 14 for Kelsey. We got 11 for Herb Smith, which is kind of surprising. Uh, What's I his price? He- is he just 3K? Is that what it 3-4. is? 3-4. Yeah. All right. I think Comets 3-7 and, and 7%. Uh, you know, people like the punt there. I get it. On DraftKings
1: but, especially, people will just take the receptions.
2: yeah. All right, we, uh, we said a bunch here, 90 minutes. We appreciate you all watching the very first show, the very first pick six of the, the year. Uh, you guys know who Rebar and John are, of course. So that's why you're back. That's why you're watching the show. That's why you stuck around for 90 minutes. But just in case they don't know, uh, John, where, where can the people find you around the interwebs?
3: It is is four for four dot com, and you can use my friend's code, dagle 10 to get 10% off our package right now. The first waiver wire just went up. We have 17 more weeks of this, including me riding it on Christmas Eve, and everyone still yells at me, even though it's a holiday and you're no longer in your leagues. It'll all be there. So, Daigle 10, get you 10% off, plus all our DFS content over there as well. Rich?
1: Uh, at Lord Reeves on Twitter, sharphubblinalysis.com. The first worksheet is up, the first of, like they said, 18. <laughs> Uh if you like the cut of my and in, in my content, uh you can use the code Rich25 uh, for 25% off anything over team. at the site.
2: Do appreciate y'all watching the show here on Roto Runners. Do give us a like, do give us a follow on the old YouTube. Again, Sunday morning we'll be talking all the way up the lock starting 10:30 in the morning. Uh, you know, subscribe to the channel. There's shows all throughout the weeks. Um, yeah, start of the NFL season, man. I'm I'm super excited to be back. Uh, same team as always, and uh, cannot wait to be tilted my face off at like 103 in the afternoon because my running backs touchdown got siphoned by, I don't know, Rex Burkhead or something like that. That was the NFL Pick 6 Show on behalf of Rich, on behalf of John, producer Devin, I was Dean. Appreciate y'all watching. We're out of here.